0: Welcome to the Cybersecurity Readiness podcast series with Dr. Dave Chatterjee. Dr. Chatterjee is the author of the book, Cybersecurity Readiness, A Holistic and High-Performance Approach, a Sage Publication. He has been studying cybersecurity for over a decade, authored and edited scholarly papers, delivered talks, conducted webinars and workshops, consulted with companies, and served on a cybersecurity SWAT team with Chief Information Security Officers. Dr. Chatterjee is Associate Professor of Management Information Systems at the Terry College of Business, the University of Georgia. As a Duke University visiting scholar, Dr. Chatterjee has taught in the Master of Engineering in Cybersecurity program at the Pratt School of Engineering.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome you to this episode of the Cybersecurity Readiness podcast series. Today's discussion will focus on the cybersecurity perspectives of a community college president. I'm delighted and honored to have Pamela Senegal, president of Piedmont Community College as a guest on this episode. I met Pamela at a cybersecurity symposium organized by the University of North Carolina Chapel Hills World View program. Guess what? The director of that program, Charlie Lamonica, is also with us on this episode. So I'm really thrilled and honored to have two very distinguished leaders join me in this very important conversation. Welcome, Charlie, welcome, Pamela. To set the stage and get things rolling, Charlie, please provide listeners with an overview of the symposium.
2: Thank you so much, Dave. It is such a pleasure to join you today on your podcast and also to be here with Pamela Senegal, my colleague and and friend of Worldview. I really appreciate this invitation. And so a little context about what UNC Worldview is, I'm happy to provide for you. UNC Worldview is a public service program here at UNC Chapel Hill, and our goal Um, as part of a global research university and a first public university, is, of course, focusing on all students, focusing on research, and also focusing on service. So because UNC Worldview is the, the service aspect of UNC Chapel Hill, we really are committed to providing professional development and global education, connecting all of the UNC global resources to K-12 teachers and to community college instructors and all educators throughout North Carolina and beyond. So we've developed, prior to the pandemic, we were all in person and now we're hybrid. We provide symposium and workshops and a variety of ways to just share out the university's resources in global education. But the goal of this particular symposium was really to show how important cybersecurity is to all of our educators and to for our students. So of course, how Pamela and I work together on this is I always turn to our council of advisors across the state and I went right to Pamela Senegal and I said, what is your perspective in terms of what should we focus on at this in-person symposium? And in order to be relevant and on point of what was needed, our conversation came to information and cybersecurity readiness. So that's that's a little
1: context of how we got started. Fabulous. Thank you for that introduction. So now I'd like to welcome Pamela Senegal, the president of Piedmont Community College. Pamela, share with the listeners some highlights of your professional career. It's a pleasure to be here on
3: this podcast. I'm so excited to be here. It's been such a joy to get to know Charlay and the Council of Advisors with Worldview. Uh, We are a rural-serving institution, and and through this partnership, we're globalizing our classes. We are helping our faculty and our students uh, better understand how we fit in a larger context, and Charlay's organization has just been pivotal in that. And when we started talking about this particular symposium, I was able to start pulling on strands of my professional career, everything from having been um, an IT trainer to, and I started even thinking about the fact that my parents refused to buy me an Atari and instead brought me a basic programming book, right? So, So I go really hard on IT over the years. And this is something that's just super important to me. But as a college president, we were one of the unfortunate institutions that in 2020 experienced a cyber attack and so that really heightened my awareness of our vulnerability as an organization within a larger system 58 college system across the state. And so for many years I was chair of our technology association within the President's Association. And that's where I had a chance to really work on um, a number of initiatives that would that would help harden our infrastructure to make us less likely to be targets of cyber attacks. And so for me going to this symposium was a really perfect fit. It gave me a chance to network with other IT professionals Uh, to sort of check in and make sure that some of the messages from the system office had permeated throughout our our organization. And I also got to sort of sit at your feet and learn from your research about things that we need to pay more attention to. So looking forward to to this conversation.
1: Thanks for sharing that. As I was preparing for the talk and doing my research, I was quite stunned to learn about the numerous attacks on educational institutions and the significant consequences. Most of these were ransomware attacks. Many of the institutions had to pay the ransom to get back up and running again. So it's a huge problem for all academic institutions. But our focus today is on community colleges, which is a very important part of the educational system in the United States. I'm so glad that Pamela, president of Piedmont Community College, is with us to share her thoughts and perspectives. Before I turn it over to her, I'd like to share with listeners some research findings relating to the cybersecurity challenges facing academic institutions, especially community colleges. These challenges include plethora of legacy systems, numerous remote endpoint devices, lack of an incident response plan. Funding is always a challenge. I've learned from talking to the leadership that often there is no budget line item for cybersecurity spending. This can be a huge hurdle as monitoring threats and securing the organization against them is an expensive proposition. Another resource challenge is the scarcity of top cybersecurity talent and having the necessary funding to hire and retain them. Pam, how do you relate to these challenges? I
3: mean, everything you've noted is exactly a challenge. Our legacy systems, the challenge with finding talented people to work on these issues the number, the sheer number of devices. I read something recently that said students that are coming to our campuses are bringing with them an average of four devices each. And so I want you to think about the fact that we're a 58 institution system across the state. We serve over 750,000 students annually, right? So the sheer scope of addressing these issues is often overwhelming. And so one of the things that we had to do as a North Carolina community college system was to make sure that we had a clear incident response plan in place because we were unable to, uh, we needed to make sure that this was in place and available. I watched a sister institution, uh, and this was prior to us having an incident response plan in place. I watched a sister institution be down for nearly a semester, right? because of the their staff simply did not know how to respond they ended up replicating that virus across the entire institution the backups that they thought were in place were corrupted and so it was really a monumental task to bring that institution back online but the good news is that we learned something from it and after that as a system what we did is we developed an incident response plan every president every cio at every community college we all have a card. We, we printed them in several different formats. They're poster size versions. Uh, they're, they're business card versions. And so when you believe that you are experiencing a cyber attack, you call that number 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and it will activate an entire team of resources that will help your institution recover. And so when that we put that in place and then, ironically, my own institution experienced an incident. We were down every ERP system, uh, voiceover phones, business operations. We literally could not print anything. But we were only down for two days because we called that we our incident response plan worked. And within 12 hours of making that initial phone call, an entire team of resources from across the state, from the SBI to people from our system office, to sister institutions, converged on in our institution, identified the issue, isolated it, and were able to one by one bring our systems back online so that we were only down for about 48 hours. Many of our students didn't even realize that we had a cyber attack. We simply, um, I think we called it a study day or something like that. We we sent out an alert and told students uh, to take a break <laughs> uh, and with the hopes that we would be able to stand ourselves back up quickly. But that's the power. That is exactly what organizations must have in place. The other thing that we've got to have better in place are systems that are tracking those devices. And we've also got to have clear guidelines in place that people adhere to. And and so the the downside for that is that we make life a little, slightly less convenient for students, faculty and staff, right? And I remember when I was a faculty member, I would just install software that I wanted to, you know, that I wanted to um, show my students and it was no big deal. Well, now you don't get to do that as a faculty member. You don't get to our systems are set such that you cannot install unauthorized software that has not gone through a proper vetting process. And so things are a little more—that's a little less convenient, but it's a trade-off. And I think it's a—it's an important trade-off that we've made, where the benefits are that just outweigh the negatives.
1: That's great. The three things that came out of what you shared: one was having that commitment, having that level of preparedness. And also having the discipline. It validates the framework that I have out there in my book on holistic cybersecurity governance, uh, which is anchored on these three dimensions of commitment, preparedness, and discipline. I've used very generic labels so people can relate to it and don't think that cybersecurity is something so technical that we need to just hire the experts to manage it for us. Cybersecurity is really governance with strong common sense. And common sense, again, is not really common. <laughs> in my humble opinion, is probably the rarest of sense. You just heard the president of a college talking about how proactive she is and the best practices that she has in place. I don't know if her IT background helped, but that's when I'd like to ask you, Pamela, As president of an institution with that kind of responsibility, you have so many things to provide oversight. How important is cybersecurity in the big scheme of things? How do you manage providing oversight to cybersecurity governance?
3: I've really had to evolve my thinking about the role of IT and cybersecurity in my thinking. You know, five years ago when I took this job, my CIO... Well, first of all, I didn't have a CIO. I had a director of information technology that was buried under my chief financial officer. And one of the things that became increasingly apparent to me as our organization became more and more dependent on technology, that we needed to elevate that role so that we could proactively identify the ways in which it would impact all of our lives. And we're really at a point now as an organization where I don't know how we would survive, quite frankly, without that CIO role being one of my direct reports. And so one of the things that that, we, that I did when I was technology chair is we gave sort of a list of conversations that presidents should have with their CIOs. And it goes to everything from what is your cybersecurity insurance policy look like? What's in it, right? Um, making sure that you've seen it, make sure that you have at least some high level understanding about that. What are the protections that are put in place on a day-to-day basis? Whose job is it to look at those log reports, um, to identify uh, ways in which uh, the institution may be vulnerable? Whose responsibility is it to vet software or other other services that are going to need to connect to um, ERP systems that we have at our institutions? Whose job is that? And then you've got to get to issues around training what are the requirements? So, so, at our institution, we have some professional development requirements, and one of those elements is that there's a required amount of IT training that's required for all employees, right? So, if you're if you're going to get a, a college account, if you're going to be using our systems, well, then you're under that umbrella of folks who are required to complete IT training. And so, it's really helping our end users be cognizant of their responsibility in cybersecurity. So that means that when you get emails, and my favorite is when you get an email from the president saying, please send me, uh, what what is the one from Nigeria? It it seems like it's always asking them to go buy a gift card and bring it to my (laughs) office immediately. I think that's one of my favorites, right? If you get an email like that, number one, I am never gonna ask my rank and file employees to do something like that. But also the training that we've had our employees go through helps them identify things and emails like that, that should trigger red flags, right? So that they should mark those as phishing attempts. So they should mark those that it's everyone's responsibility. And then um, those are just a few of the the, the strategies, some of the things that we've done. So I'll I'll stop there.
1: Thank you so much for sharing those great perspectives, great pointers. I'd like to bring Charlie back into the discussion. I hope listeners recognize that thanks to the Information Security Symposium, Charlie and her team at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, the Worldview program put together that people like Pamela and many others uh, representing the various colleges in the state of North Carolina they attended the conference I'm sure there was a lot of sharing of ideas best practices so Charlie and her team deserves a lot of credit uh, Charlie I'd like you to uh, reflect on the conference a little bit. What did you expect the conference to be, and what did it turn out to be?
2: That is a great question. Uh, Thank you for asking that. And Whenever we do any type of symposium at Worldview, we, of course, talk to the stakeholders. What are your needs? how can we stay relevant? What do students, at the end of the day, we always want the students' space front and center. That's what we, that's who we are all serving. And we want to empower them to make great decisions in their educational careers. And also as they think about what type of work they will then um, be drawn to as they graduate. And so what we always anticipate is that we'll get just great minds together. I mean, Dave, there was a lot of research that was done. And Hazel Andrew, our associate director at Worldview, located you and your podcast and reached out to you. We reached out to our uh, colleagues at UNC. We made sure that um, Pamela was involved. And, and then we just waited to see what people in those arenas, what are they going to bring to the table? So we don't, we're, we, we at Worldview were not the experts in cybersecurity information technology, but we, we located folks that were. I think what we just wanted was to create a curiosity within the participants. I think when our individual instructors and educators come to a Worldview program, they're very interested in learning right? Good educators constantly want to learn. And so they wanted to learn about information technology. And they were from a variety of different disciplines. This was not a program for IT people, although we did have quite a few. But we also had humanities instructors. We had folks from all disciplines, uh, college uh, professors from all disciplines. And I think one of the interesting takeaways for me at the end of the day is that I had an instructor come up to me and say, I really thought this was just going to be IT and that I learned something about IT. But what I learned is how important it is for students to know as much about this as I learned today and to always consistently make them aware to be front and center of what's important for them to be aware of whenever they use their devices. And she then went back to her college. I did a follow-up conversation with her. And she mentioned that they had recently gone through a a whole upgrade. And there was another duo uh, verification that was going out that students were mandated to do. And in her classroom, in her English literature classroom, there were some people kind of grumbling about it. And then She launched into some of the things that she learned from you, Dave, from Pamela, from some of our UNC folks that were at the symposium. And she said, this is more important than you can ever imagine. And I think that is the takeaways. One of her classroom assignments is now going to be for her students to interview people in the IT department of the college and find out. What they as uh, students need to need to know, and why the college is taking certain uh, steps. I think that was just a brilliant way to integrate what they learned at the symposium. So we never really know going in what the takeaways will be, but you get bright minds together and teachers that care about their students, uh, and instructors and administrators that can't put the student first, and then really good things happen. So I'm very optimistic.
1: So true. Charlie, this podcast would not have happened if your team didn't put together the symposium. We wouldn't have gotten to know each other. I think it's incredibly important to try and raise the level of community awareness of cybersecurity do's and don'ts. So you and your team deserve a lot of credit for organizing this cybersecurity symposium. During my keynote address, I shared with the audience a very interesting best practice on enhancing the level of community awareness. The University of Notre Dame's technology and security team organized a cybersecurity carnival through activities, games, and artwork. They strive to enhance awareness in the community. For instance, The cybersecurity strongman game asked the carnival attendees to choose the strongest password from a selection of options. A go fish activity asked attendees to spot indicators of a phishing email. A slam the spam trivia event quizzed participants on security trivia. In an art exhibition, titled Museum of Mishaps, famous artworks were altered to depict cybersecurity gaffes. So this is really encouraging to see such out-of-the-box initiatives that are trying to make cybersecurity training and awareness more fun and exciting. They go a long way in making the cybersecurity conversations more mainstream. Your thoughts, Pam?
3: I loved the carnival idea that you shared, and and I remember sharing that with my leadership team. Uh, They thought that was uh, a lot, but they, they appreciate the joy in which Those things are done. One of the things that that I'm impressed that we're doing, and we're doing this again across the state, uh, we're all members of a a training that not only does mandatory training, but they do, um, they push examples of things that you need to be aware of into your email uh, throughout the academic year. And so I get a report of employees who fail those many tests. So it's one thing to complete the training, right, and have a certificate. But four months later, can you actually apply it when a test phishing email is sent out? And so what what we've done and what many other institutions do is if the same person fails that uh, several times, then their access to different programs or to VPN access remotely is cut off until they complete additional training. But really this is about paying attention. This is about being consistently diligent in looking and scanning for these types of things. And the reality is that a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, there will be something else that we'll need to keep our people informed of. And so that the, the big lesson learned for me is that it's not a one and done, right? This is something, and so your your point about the importance of diligence in this effort and continual learning is just so I'm glad that we've integrated and I would encourage others to not just require training, but to do little tests along the way uh, just to make
2: sure that people are really getting the message. I'd also like to chime in too, is that the collaborative nature of this, we're looking at like North Carolina's a state educational institution. Also, IBM was one of our sponsors for this program, and we had uh, a corporate official uh, come and help open the program. So it it really was integrated, instructors in the classrooms, college presidents, distinguished speakers like yourself, Dave, IBM support. Um, Tim Humphrey was one of our supporters, and uh, Bina Hallman was one of the speakers. And I thought, this is what it's all about. Then students know that they know the why because everyone that is in leadership is saying this is really important and this is why to not only keep us safe, but also to keep learning, exciting and to be able to have this technology that draws people from all over the world to, to work together in a in a safe way. I, I think that collaboration is, is really
1: key. You couldn't be more correct. So spot on. In fact, I'd like to uh, add something to what Pamela was talking about, training and failing. I'll share a personal anecdote. I do research in cybersecurity. I give talks. I've written a book. But the scope is so vast, it's really very difficult to get your arms around everything. So from time to time, I put myself through certification exams. And these are pretty challenging exams where you have to sign up, you pay money, uh, big bucks, by my standards, and you are sitting in an exam, uh, like proctored exams for four hours, answering 120 plus questions. I will unashamedly admit that I have flunked these exams multiple times and I've gone back again. And my wife goes, what's wrong with you? Why are you taking these exams? You don't need to take them. They're not required. I said, you know, finally the joy of learning The joy of awareness has set in. And even though I flunked these exams, I can't tell you how much I learned. Fortunately, I I, I did pass. When it comes to cybersecurity and training, the leadership should remind people that as long as you're making a diligent effort to learn, to apply, that is most important. You can still fail. You can still become a victim of an attack. And I'm sure uh, an organization such as Pamela's, they will be very empathetic to somebody who admits that, you know what, I did click on that link. I shouldn't have. Yes, I went through training. It's a mistake, but I want to let you know, uh, give you a heads up so that your team can get going and figure out the extent of the damage. Creating that empathetic culture is so important. And that, again, comes from the leadership. They set the tone and reminding people that the effort should be there and Passing or failing an exam is is not always the indicator of learning. Sometimes you learn best when you fail. What do you think, Pam?
3: I I think that's exactly what I've learned over the course of 25 years in higher education and and then five years in, in industry when I was a certified technical trainer. Um, and was responsible for for doing training for a telecom, an international telecom company. Um, that is exactly how I believe people learn best. the The other piece of that training component, it's not just in users, but it's also as a leader, making sure that I'm investing in my current IT staff. So there are a couple ways that we're doing that. So not only have we beefed up our own networking associates degree program by integrating certificates in Azure and cloud backup and all sorts of other elements that we've integrated into our associate degree in networking. But we've also joined the Carolina Cyber Network, which is a consortium of about 14 schools across the entire state. We're working uh, with Fayetteville Tech and they work with the military uh, so that our students are going to have access to some of the best virtual training scenarios. So that my, my, my end goal is to actually train my future IT staff Uh, But I also want to make sure that my community is safe. And so that's why we've also made that investment in in not only offering that training to the community, but having my own IT staff participate in those things. And and the other thing I'll say to other CEOs is uh, we get nervous when we spend a lot of time and energy helping our IT staff get certifications and credentials. The thinking is always that we are preparing them to leave us, right? We're making them more attractive uh, to get recruited by someone else. And I need us to change our mindset about that and to accept that that is exactly what's going to happen, but you do not want them as part of your team untrained, right? <laughs> so, so, would you, do you really want someone to stay for 20 years because they've not bothered to invest in themselves or uh, we want high flyers in IT, we want people who are curious, we want people who are problem solvers, mm-hmm. who are continuous learners, and so that's a that's an investment. And sometimes that means those folks will leave. But if you're thinking long game, like we are at Piedmont Community College uh, by having these training programs, now I've got a list because the other thing we've done is you're required to do an internship as part of those uh, degree programs. And so we often make our own IT department the, the host of those internships. And so we're constantly creating a pipeline, a pool of people uh, that will eventually help us protect our network. And so those are, we got we to gotta think about this a little more holistically as we are dealing in a new world where this is a constant. This is not something that will go away. The attacks will only get more sophisticated. They will continue to morph as they have done over the last two decades.
1: Terrific. Uh, you know, Charlie, you mentioned about how you involved industry academia, you brought them together in this conference. And as Pamela was sharing her thoughts, and I get to talk to senior leadership across the spectrum, I can't tell you how important it is to bring them together from different fields, from different disciplines, and enable the cross-fertilization of ideas in a setting such as the one that Charlie and her team at UNC Worldview created at Chapel Hill, Bring people from different walks of life, let them engage, and before you know it, you have you have provided you know such great insight, so you have helped people identify great resources. And sometimes, like say Pam, in your world, I'm sure you are constantly getting feedback from other community colleges what they are doing by way of best practices. I have learned over the years that sometimes Some of the best ideas come from the most unrelated industries. That's precisely why it is very important to go beyond your current domain and learn what others are doing in their respective fields. I'd love to get your thoughts.
2: Well, I I must say, Dave, that one of the other exciting parts of the symposium that Mm -hmm. we had in November was the student panel. Yeah. And this was once again, as the symposium was being constructed, stakeholders were asked, who would you like to hear from? What themes do you want to to address? And what surface to the top is we want to hear from some students why they are taking cybersecurity courses. And I find that that is always, you know, students are front and center. I said that earlier. I say that every day. If we don't start listening to what students want, and also hear what they, um, the world that they're creating for themselves, we're all missing out. And so the the panel of the students and why they were choosing cybersecurity, we had a very interesting diverse panel, uh, diverse ages, um, and it was absolutely fascinating. And I think also it gave um, an opportunity for the instructors to see how important their role every day how they have that opportunity to inspire students to make change and also the responsibility that no matter what discipline they're working in, that in addition to their content, to have an aspect of the importance of technology use is vital um, and integrate it into a class uh, that they're teaching. A global education is education, right, about all different things. And so um, that was another interesting uh, aspect that I that I took away from our from our symposium. And Dave, you make a great
3: point about um, how important this is across industry. So I serve on several different boards. Mm-hmm. And because of my experience with the technology committee, with what we've gone through at our own institution,
2: mm-hmm. I've been
3: able to bring that aspect to a hospital, to a bank, uh, to awesome. a a lending organization, you know, because that's where I'm serving. And so why wouldn't I leverage these experiences across industry? This is not something unique to higher education. Um, Every one of our students eventually is going to go work in one of those industries, and they need to have this awareness. So um, making sure that we're sharing this broadly is just absolutely critical.
1: I'm I'm delighted, Pamela. This is great to hear. Um, you, You know, one of the key findings of my research has been that for an organization to establish and maintain a high level of cybersecurity, let's say, vigilance or resiliency, it is very important to create and sustain a high-performing security culture. And who leads the effort? It is the senior leadership. Who sets the tone? It is the top executive. So it's really heartening to hear you talk about your perspectives, and you are very hands-on. It's obvious to me, it's very hands-on. And that's something that I try to get across to the folks through my writings and my talks that how hands-on is your leadership? What does that mean? Does your leadership team serve on different committees that are planning cybersecurity governance, that are reviewing cybersecurity governance performance? that are establishing the performance metrics. You know, there are so many different aspects of governance. How involved, uh, and again, I don't expect the CEO to be everywhere, but realistically, having representation in those committees, getting regular feedback whereby at any point in time, the, the the senior most person in the organization knows what this organization's strengths are, what the organization's vulnerabilities are, so this way, even if something unfortunate happens, you're not taken by surprise. You're still well-informed, but you also recognize that no matter what you do, there can still be a breach, but at least the organization should not be held liable or be considered guilty of gross negligence. The word is kind of strong, but that's what lawsuits are all about. The The, the victims are trying to prove that the organization they had trust in was grossly negligent. But when you have a proactive CEO and a leadership team recognizing how important this is, how centric this is to the strategic responsibilities and challenges of an organization, then I feel that they are much better off than many others' uh, reactions.
3: Cybersecurity is is everyone's job. It's not just mine. I would urge CEOs who are at higher education institutions to look at almost all of us have college-wide committees, right? And so, whether that's the diversity committee, whether that's the enrollment management committee, I would urge you to have an information technology presence in each of those committees because technology is just that integrated into everything we do. And so, making sure that my IT department is aware um, of things that are going on, and always uh, having that filter to be on the lookout for how it might impact our infrastructure, um, particularly systems that are going to have access to sensitive data, to information that we have a duty. We have a. We have a. We're stewards of of those resources. We are stewards of uh, people's credit card information. Um, we are stewards of their personal information, and so. It's everyone's responsibility. And so so I'd encourage CEOs to to look at their college committees, make sure IT is integrated. If you've not elevated your IT position to a senior one, I would encourage you to do that. But I would also encourage you to do something that that we're just now getting back in the habit of with, with some of the tapering down of covid But you run fire drills. Every year we have responsibilities to run fire drills. So have you run a cyber security drill, right? Have you done a tabletop exercise around that? Have you checked your backups? Many of us have moved our backups to the cloud. We're we're putting all sorts of data in the cloud and we're trusting these vendors and partners to be diligent in our backups. But but we still need to verify that our backups work the way that they were intended to work um, as part of that SLO. The other thing that I would encourage you to do is, is be diligent and consistent about investing in your staff and requiring training and then have those checkpoints along the way. It's just absolutely critical. This cyber attacks are going to continue to morph and shapeshift, <laughs> and we have to be prepared for that. It is just the reality of doing business today. I think that was Marvel comic illusion that I just made here about shape shifting. Sorry, sorry. I, I think I I think I saw a Marvel movie this past weekend. I don't know where that last one came
1: from. You know, I'm so delighted that you said what you said. Like I have been harping about this along for a long time that we have fire drills. Do we have good security drills? Do we go beyond tabletop exercises? Mm-hmm. So for a top executive such as yourself to recognize that and talk about it, that makes me feel better. Unfortunately, as is true for all good things, they come to end faster than you would like. So even our time at this podcast session is coming to an end. So I'd like to give uh, both of you an opportunity to share some final words with the listeners. Charlie, you'd like to go first?
2: Certainly, Dave. I've so enjoyed this podcast with with you and Pamela. And thank you again for, for the invitation. And Thank you again for coming to Worldview in November for this symposium because it's really just got us all started once again in keeping cybersecurity information technology front and center and the ripple effect that we'll have through classrooms in the state, I think will be really interesting to to explore in the next few months to see what change has been made from instructors. We always like to do that because I guess. The, the whole idea of this whole um, theme for us at Worldview was really to help educators create a peaceful world, a just world, collaborative world, and one that's rich in content for all students. So anyway, I really enjoyed the time today and, and thank you so much. And Pamela, see you at the next Council of Advisors meeting next week. <laughs> that's right. I'll see you next week. So, so closing thoughts. Uh, first, you you've got... A
3: whole group of CIOs across the North Carolina community colleges who are now um, following you and and looking at your research so that they can be inspired as well. So so that's been one of the outtakes for me. Um, it's also been wonderful to get this opportunity to to work with our council of advisors to be reminded of the the importance of technology, the importance of cybersecurity as an as a way for us to ensure that we can meet our mission right. And the whole purpose of what we do every day in North Carolina Community Colleges is to transform people's lives. But without technology that is solid, that is dependable, we won't meet our mission. So this, this has to be elevated um, as a priority for organizations. Um, CEOs have to have conversations with their CIOs. We have to invest in those folks. We have to, we have to model this behavior ourselves Uh, When our faculty are upset about not being able to uh, download or install software like they used to, as CEOs, we have to take a deep breath and explain how things have changed and why that's no longer an option. But yet there is a path for you to get that software. You just won't be able to do it five minutes before your class starts. Uh, The vetting process takes a little longer than that. Um, And so we have to be consistent and diligent. Um, And so we thank you for your research. We thank you for all that you do to contribute to this space. Uh, We look forward to your next book uh, so that we can continue to to learn and grow in this area. And as always, thank you, Charlie, for all that you do with Worldview.
1: I also want to take this opportunity of thanking both Charlie and you for the services that you provide to the community. We are very fortunate to have people like you out there and I feel really good that um, we are headed in the right direction, the battle or the war against cybersecurity is unlikely to go away. But when leaders such as Pamela, such as Charlie, are doing things within their realm of influence, it sounds very, very exciting, inspirational, and I am extremely optimistic. So with that, we conclude our session today. Thank you very much. A special thanks to Pamela Senegal and Charlie Lamonica for their time and insights. If you like what you heard, please leave the podcast a rating and share it with your network. Also subscribe to the show so you don't miss any new episodes. Thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.
0: The information contained in this podcast is for general guidance only. The discussants assume no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained in this podcast is provided on an as-is basis with no guarantee of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. The opinions and recommendations expressed in this podcast are those of the discussants and not of any organization.